Hello everyone and welcome to episode 3 of Fortress Survival where we help you prepare your fortress no matter where that happens to be. And today we are going to talk about the uh, next one of our basic needs which is shelter. So in the last couple of episodes we went over kind of the four major needs categories the basic needs mental needs uh, skill set needs and the relationship needs and we've started going through the basic needs and we covered uh, food and water in the last episode and we are going to talk about shelter in this episode if um, we're moving along fast enough I may go ahead and do uh, the fire and heat as well, but we will just see how we're doing. The last one ran a little longer than I wanted it to, uh, so we'll kind of see whether or not we get to that or whether we make it its own episode uh, under episode four. So let's go ahead and start discussing some of the um, aspects of your basic need of shelter. First, let me make a U-turn. Here we go. Woo! Making a U-turn. If you're just listening to the audio of this, I record most of these, at least currently, while I'm driving. So every once in a while, you'll get commentary on what's going on around me. All right. So your primary form of shelter um, for your basic needs is going to be your home, right? So the vast majority of our planning, the vast majority of our storage, the location of the vast majority of the stuff that we get, most of the um, skill sets that we build in terms of gardening and all of that other sort of thing is going to be based around your home. Now, one of the major reasons I started this podcast was because of the push by so many other people to relocate, right? And I, I am in agreement with those people in the sense of if you have the ability to relocate, even if you decide to do it and it's somewhat painful, but you can still make it work, then that is probably your ideal uh, thing to do. However, there are a huge number of people who are preppers who cannot relocate. And so little of the prepping community, the the prepping uh, community of people who make podcasts and stuff like that, so little of them will even address the idea of doing, you know, a shelter in place kind of preps for people in cities, right? And so we are going to be addressing some of that. We're not going to get into a huge today, but it is okay for the vast majority of your preps to be centered around your home, wherever your home is, right? Now, if you're in a city and you can get into a suburb or out into the rural areas, and that's great. If you're in a suburb and you can get to a more rural area, that's great. But don't just be paralyzed with fear if you live in an apartment complex in a city and um, and you are like, there's no way I can move, right? Maybe you're a college age student and you're going to college and you can't just move out into the countryside while you're going to college, right? Number one, you don't have any money and even if you did, you can't move far away from the college and almost all colleges are in cities, right? So. There are lots and lots of reasons why you might be temporarily or permanently located inside of an urban area. 
and you can still operate in that area. Is it as ideal as other areas? Maybe, maybe not, depending on where you are and what kind of preparations you do in advance. But your home is obviously going to be your primary form of shelter. Taking a sip of my white monster. So the question really becomes, because the vast majority of people listening to this, I would venture to say 100% of the people listening to this are, they have a home, right? They're not homeless. And so if you're, if you have a home, if that describes you, then you have shelter right now, right? You're not currently being rained on when it rains. Uh, you're not currently baking in the sun probably when it's hot. You probably have AC. You probably have a lot of things. So one of the first things I would look at with your primary shelter is how do you make your shelter continue to be as comfortable as possible if the grid goes down, right? So things that you wanna start thinking about. At night, we take our lights for granted. Right? You might even be in an apartment where you have uh, no windows. I don't know if they make apartments with no windows. I know there's rooms with no windows. But if you have a situation in your house where several of your rooms in your house have no windows, you need to think about light during the day and you need to certainly think about light at night. Right, And you want long-term sustainable light as well as maybe short-term brighter lights uh, that you may either have to store batteries for or have some kind of a recharging capability on. The other thing you wanna be able to think about is if you're the only one prepared in your apartment building, you don't necessarily want everyone in your apartment building or outside of the apartment building knowing that you have light, as an example, right? So you wanna have the ability to do things like blacking out your windows. Now, this is a good idea even if you're rural. So if you're out in the middle of the countryside and there's a grid down situation, but your lights are on, whether you have solar uh, or some alternate form of energy, whether you have a generator, whatever the case may be, if you are emitting light from your home at nighttime, people are going to know that you have something they don't, all right? And so having the ability to black out your windows is a very good thing to have on hand. Now you can do that with a couple of different things. Uh, probably the simplest and the cheapest way to do it, we learned about this up in Alaska in the summertime, is aluminum foil. Aluminum foil is cheap. Uh, it's easy to cut to the lengths that you need it to. Uh, so having some aluminum foil and like some uh, two inch clear tape or duct tape would also work. And just basically pulling a strip the width of your window, taping it in place, doing another one and another one all the way down the window until all your windows are covered um, with, uh, with aluminum foil and there will be no light coming through those windows in either direction, by the way. So that's also something to keep in mind. Right, so maybe during the day you actually wanna lift the window up and open it up so that you get the light coming in from that as well as some airflow and things of that nature and then at night you close them down and nobody knows that you have lights inside your house. Um, now if you're gonna do that and you're in a city, right? There's if you're in the countryside you want you be concerned about reflection. People are gonna be able to look, they're gonna be able to see, hey, there's aluminum foil on those windows 
maybe they're trying to hide something from us if somebody were observing you from a rural perspective. If you're in the city, people are just gonna look up at your windows and go, hey, they've got aluminum foil on their windows. That's weird. What's up with that, right? So having the ability to maybe put some kind of fabric there first and then putting the aluminum foil over the fabric is a pretty good idea. Something that makes it look, number one, where it's not so reflective because it tends to draw people's attention. And number two, make it look uh, not so odd, right? Where they look up and they go, what is that? That's really weird. Most people just have regular windows, right? If you have some kind of fabric, then people just think, oh, they're just decorating their house. So that's something to keep in mind. Also, if you're worried about light discipline is what we typically call it in the military, you want to at nighttime have somebody go outside and actually turn the lights on in the house and see if they actually block the light, right? Make sure that it's actually blocking the light. You didn't miss a corner or something like that and there's still this like, you know, telltale sign that you have power on in there. Okay, so you need light. You can do um, candles, you can do lanterns. If you're gonna do lanterns, make sure they're safe for indoors. You can do um, battery powered lamps and, and flashlights and things of that nature. If you're gonna do that, you probably want some way to recharge the batteries for your lights. So having some kind of like a solar charger and you can get small versions of these, almost like um, there's a one in between like the big versions and the backpacking versions that you can just kind of set up and you can even set them up inside your house a little bit so they're not obvious, but you shift them around so they stay in the sun. And, uh, and then you plug in your battery chargers onto those and they charge up your batteries when they're not in use. Okay, so having the ability to have light is going to be a big thing and then having light discipline in the house is going to be another thing. So we're gonna talk more about um, security around cooking and stuff like that in the next episode, so I'm not gonna spend too much time on that. But these are just things to consider with your home and you're gonna to wanna to make sure as you start to develop your defensive plans, as you start to become familiar with defense, as you start to develop uh, your food production and storage plans, all of that is going to be based around your home as your primary location, all right? Now, then we start getting into what most people refer to as bug out locations. So this could be a secondary home, this could be a cabin, like maybe a hunting cabin or something like that. Uh, it could be a hunting lease. I know a lot of guys that have hunting leases and especially if you know the owner of the lease and he's kind of like one of the guys, then um, then having like a hunting camp set up where you can come up to and a lot of times these hunting camps are either they have RVs there that are like permanently positioned um, and they're like cooking out and stuff like that most of the time, but they're set up to semi-live-in. Um, if you have a hunting camp, right? Um, it may not be the most ideal situation to live in long term, but you can live in them. And if you're hearing my little puppy, yelp, we're uh, taking them to drop them off for one of my puppy trainers. So sorry about the little high-pitched squeaks. Um, but you typically want these to be in a place where if you have to leave your home, this is a safer location. Right, so don't always think collapse when you think about this kind of stuff. Think about fires, right? So you don't want your bug out location to be your next door neighbor because if the fires are moving toward your neighborhood, everybody in the neighborhood is going to have to leave, right? If you're in a place where there's hurricanes, you know, it needs to be a place that's far enough away that you can move there and be safe from whatever natural disaster might be going on 
or localized problem might be going on, but you also want it somewhere where it's close enough that you can get there on maybe a tank of gas and a couple of extra five gallon gas cans, right? And when you think about it, think about it like you should be able to make it on one tank of gas if you're gonna have like two five gallon gas cans with you. Because if you end up waiting too long and getting stuck in traffic and things of that nature, you're gonna be sitting, idling, burning a lot more gas than you normally do. You may not make it nearly as far on a tank of gas as you typically think you would. So make sure you always have about twice as much fuel as you need to get to wherever it is you're going. Okay? So whatever fuel you need to get there on a good in a good time, have twice that for your bug out plan, your quote unquote bug out plan. So, but these can also be other things though. So a lot of people think, oh man, I can't afford that. That's too expensive. There's no way it's gonna work out. Oh, I'm screwed. Think outside the box. So uh, other things that you can do for bug out locations are, what about an RV, right? Having an RV, either having an RV that you can hook up to and tow. If you're gonna do that, I recommend trying to get out sooner rather than later. Remember gas consumption, all that kind of stuff. Um, but what about pre-positioning an RV near where you would want to go? So for instance, uh, parking an RV in a large storage shed that you rent and having it where it's pretty much already where you want it, it's all pre-packed, it's all ready to go, has everything you need in it, it's locked and then it's parked inside another locked uh, room, you know, this, the kind of those large garage door type of things. And then if you ever need it, you go up there, you unlock, unlock, hook up, pull it to where you wanna go, and voila, you're good, okay? So that's an option, but RVs can still be kind of expensive, and if you do something like that, you have to, you're still gonna have to pay like a couple hundred dollars a month to store it there and things of that nature. So then you can start looking at things like, well, what about family that lives around the country? What about friends, close friends that live in other parts of the country? These are the sorts of things that you can start thinking about. But if you're planning to do this with family or friends, do not wait until you need to, to use their location to bring up the idea that, hey, do you mind if I come stay with you for a couple of months, right? These need to be things that are discussed long in advance. And I, um, Glenn and Shelby, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher on Prepping 2.0 do a really good, uh, episode on uh, on this, on people coming to you and you going to other people, right? One of the things, if you're going to broach this topic with people that I highly, highly recommend is the first question that's going to come into most people's minds is what's in it for me, right? You're going to come stay with me for a month or two months or six months. Like, dude, you better make it worth it to me. I don't care if you're my brother. You're not coming and just mooching off me for a long period of time, right? I don't care what's going on in the country. So having something that you can offer this person is a huge thing. It could be a skill set. It could be, it depends on their mentality, right? In terms of what you would present. It could be defense. Maybe they're anti-gun or maybe they're not necessarily anti-gun, but they're just like, you know, Joe Blow couch potato kind of people and you're in shape and you have the ability to defend them. That could be something you could offer. It could be paying them. It could be, um, you know, bringing food and water, those sorts of things. So depending on the mentality and the mindset of the people that you would potentially go and stay with, you would offer them things that are meaningful to them in 
normal times and if things were to get hard, right? And uh, but talk about these things with these people in advance. It's uh, it's very unlikely that you're going to be warmly received if you wait until the last minute and you just show up while there's you know riots all over the country or something crazy going on, right? Now, this is one that I, I usually kind of do as like a last resort, although some people, especially if you're like a single guy who likes to hike, you're probably like, oh, this is what I'm gonna do first. Uh, and that's what I thought when I was young and stupid too. But you do wanna plan for this, and that is your temporary or mobile shelters. And by mobile, I mean things that you can literally carry on your back and use while you're maybe, so let's say for instance, you're in your vehicle, you're moving to a bug out location, and the, the interstate just literally gridlocks. And then people start running out of gas, they're idling, they're running out of gas, they can't move their vehicles off the road. And it doesn't matter how much gas you have, you ain't going nowhere, right? You're stuck. That's a really bad position to be in, but let's say you're 60 miles from your bug out location. Well, if you have a quote unquote bug out bag, and maybe we'll go into that in the future, there's like a big gazillion uh, videos and other things on bug out bags so do a little research it's not that hard to figure out but if you have the ability to put something on your back and then start walking 60 miles is a long way you're probably talking about five or six days of travel on foot to get there but you cover that distance and when you get there yay now you have all your other stuff you're happy you're good to go you're successful if you don't have the ability to shelter while you're doing that, you can find yourself in a very miserable situation and it may be very unsafe depending on where you live and what time of year it is. So up north in the winter time, you better have the ability to be warm at night, right? When the temperatures really drop and uh, you're gonna need to stop and sleep. And so tents, sleeping bags, all of that kind of stuff being put together. If you're in the south here, you may be more interested in something like a hammock, right because it gets you off the ground away from all the bugs and nastiness a lot of the areas here in florida are squishy and and not nice to lay on uh, directly on the ground in terms of you know getting moisture on all over your sleeping bag and all that kind of nastiness so uh, but another one that could be a mobile place that you can sleep is inside your vehicle now i will tell you this if you're not if you've never slept inside your vehicle test it out right now it's not going to help you if you're in a situation where you're literally humping everything on your back but it could help you out if you're in a situation where, hey, we haven't, we've kind of gotten into this gridlock situation. We're sitting here, we can't really go anywhere. Turn the vehicle off so we're not burning any more fuel. And, but it's getting dark. Like maybe just pull off the side of the road a little bit, turn the vehicle off and chill. Roll the windows down, you know, relax, start making a meal, whatever it is you're gonna do while you're waiting for everybody to start clearing out. All right, and then you can kind of see. And, um, and you may end up staying the night there, you may end up staying a couple of nights there. You may stay a couple of nights until people start abandoning their vehicles and walking off and then realize, hey, you know what? I've got a truck and I can pull onto the grass median and I can just drive on the grass, right? And now that everybody else is kind of left and moving on, I can move this way for a good long bit and this is a, a good option for us. And we may still need to be camping out if we're doing that because overlanding is a lot slower than driving on interstates but we still have a place to sleep if we need to in our vehicle. 
All right, so these are very good things to have. They're very good things to practice with and to know how to use. Don't wait to set up your tent till you're needing to use it because there's a good chance you'll be trying to set it up in the dark. And if you're not familiar with your shelter and setting up tents in the dark, it can be very, very frustrating. So practice with this stuff in advance. If you have it, know how to set it up, uh, know how to use it, know whether it's something that you like. And, um, and so maybe do a couple family camping trips or something like that and learn whether or not this stuff is the type of thing that you wanna be using in that environment. Um, but they, they are good to have, but they're really unrealistic for long-term use, okay? Now, of course, there are like ultra, ultra extreme situations you could imagine where maybe you don't have any other choice, but most tents, most shelters that you can carry with you um, just aren't gonna hold up over the long term. If you're using them every day, uh, all day long, you're not gonna get you know two or three years worth of uh, shelter out of a tent that you can carry on your back unless you're hyper, hyper careful and things of that nature. So um, if you're thinking long term, you're probably gonna wanna think outside of these sorts of things. But if you need to move or you need something short term, having the ability to camp or hammock or things of that nature um, can be very, very good things and they can cover that gap in between and be things that make a huge difference when it comes to the comfort and ability of you and your family to sleep, right? Because if you can't sleep, you're gonna get exhausted really, really fast and that's not necessarily uh, a good thing, especially when you need to be making good decisions, all right? So doing the shelter thing is one of the hardest of the preps because it typically requires a lot of money. Again, you can think outside the box and you can figure out ways to try and minimize that. Uh, family and friends uh, for bug out locations and things of that nature. Um, the only other thing I'll say with this is don't just have, like everybody should have a bug out location. I'm not saying that you need to bug out immediately. Um, in a lot of situations, you may not be able to bug out, but everybody should have bug out locations. And I said a bug out location a second ago plural you need to have multiple bug out locations because if you are you know if you're in florida and your bug out location is atlanta georgia or somewhere you know up in the florida georgia um, border area and you have a hurricane that's going to hit you and you go to bug out up there and then as you're driving up it sweeps up and and is going to hit your next spot then you need to move to your you know third or fourth location right and so you need to have my you know up to six i'd have at least three but up to six there was an old survival manual that used to be six ways in 12 ways out is what it was called and um, you always want multiple plans because there's a very decent possibility that whatever you're planning to do won't work when you need it right so have uh try and have at least three plans for if you need to go somewhere, where would you go? And if you're planning on renting something like an Airbnb or a hotel or something like that, um, that better be only one of your plans because if, if you're dealing with a natural disaster, everybody's going to be doing that. Everybody's going to be driving till they hit to a safe place and then starting to look for hotels and things of that nature. So it's, it's gonna book up really, really fast. Okay, so unless you're one of the first people to go out there and set that up, um, that can become a really difficult thing to get done, okay? So be very careful making that one, especially one of your top three. Uh, it could be like, uh, yeah, if, if we can get one, we will, but here's plan one, two, and three if we can't do that, right? Something like that. So that is shelter. The big thing with your shelter is 
Start thinking about how you would operate in your shelter, whether it's your primary as your home, whether it's a bug out or secondary location, so it's maybe somebody else's home or a cabin or an RV or something like that, or whether you're in a tent, hammock, or a mobile vehicle. Start thinking about how would I do all of the things I need to do, okay? Hygiene, cooking, sleeping, all of those sorts of things, purifying water, getting food, all the stuff that you need to do, how would I do these things in this spot, in this location, okay? Because that's gonna be um, something you wanna think about now when things are calm and you can reason and not something you're trying to figure out last minute when everything is potentially uh, falling apart around you and you may be in a panicky type of mode, all right? So hopefully this has been helpful. These are things to start thinking about right now, start uh, making plans right now on these sorts of things. And then, um, and then start talking to family, friends, uh, or looking at purchasing things if you have the money to do that kind of thing as soon as you can. All right, so until next time, remember to train hard and stay safe.